the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. The following program is pre-recorded. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Looks like it's going to be an ugly day out there, so let's start thinking positively. If you can, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, and grab yourself a cup of coffee, and uh, we'll do a couple quotes here just to start thinking positively. The first thing I do when I hear criticism is to find out if they're right. Jeff Bezos. It's a good idea from a guy like that. <laughs> the game of life is the game of boomerangs. Our thoughts, deeds, and words return to us sooner or later with outstanding accuracy. To believe in the things you can see and touch is not is no belief at all, but to believe in the unseen is both a triumph and a blessing. That's Bob Proctor, by the way. Anyway, we always... Uh, refer you to our web page to begin this show so if you want any of the materials you hear on this show you just google tim hayes radio i show up or you can hit whk 1420 a.m uh and if you go to the uh podcast the local podcast and hit tim hayes um you can go directly to my web page from there and uh, so you can get any of this stuff uh our web page is is had some really good things on it recently, especially the daily technical analysis. We've been in this range all year, and that's what Bob Dickey's been saying. But he's also been talking about uh, commodities and a few other things that I think are significant, and uh, uh, that's pretty good. There's all sorts of stuff about interest rates. Uh, you know, everybody thought interest rate going 4 or 5%. Uh, they have not moved since we talked about them. Remember, we talked about on the show how everybody was long interest rates and short bonds. Well, that would have been, you would have lost a lot of money that way. <laughs> and I bet a lot of people did. But we also have Market Week and Investor's Edge. Investor's Edge is a monthly newsletter. Market Week is a daily. And there's all sorts of stuff about cybersecurity. Uh, I tell everybody once again that, uh, you know, we did some work at my house uh, and uh, it was kind of ugly how bad the, the dark web is out there. Um, somebody asked me, uh, I had some people in this week, uh, some very nice couple. Boy, they were phenomenal. And they said, Tim, we want to feel good about our legacy. And, and then I, we, you know, we did a study at RBC about legacies. And, and, and I tell you, it, you've got to decide that. Okay. So, so here's some things I'd, I'd recommend. If you are 50 or older, uh, we have some fact sheets on government health care, Medicaid, Medicare, you name it. Uh, it's it's good stuff, and I would highly recommend it. Uh, there's there's all sorts of stuff you need to know. There's Medicare basic fact sheets. There's uh, enrollment considerations. We have a woman's guide to health care, uh, caring for your aging parents. If you like any of those, 
just hit the email me or uh, uh, or contact me uh, on my webpage. Remember, it's Google Tim Hayes Radio, and I show up. Um, we also have our global uh, global energy best ideas, and and I had a real interesting piece that I read uh, from one of our competitors who talked about why some of these things are starting to move. You know, I did talk about master limited partnerships, and I said, look at all the insiders buying. Those things are popping like uh, popcorn on a, a buttered pan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, anyway, uh, some other things I, I would highly recommend is we have a thing about healthcare, and the healthcare is starting to emerge. We're going to talk about that. And uh, we call it the one minute sentiment check. And I think that's a very, very interesting idea. And also, uh, our Imagine 2025 portfolio. This is what we think is going to do really, really well between now and 2025. Uh, and you can still have them in your portfolio. There's there's some industrial names, some technology names, some financial names, some healthcare names, some telecom and media names, consumers, and uh, global energy, obviously. And small caps are leading the way, folks. So I talked about that list, our, our top picks. Matter of fact, our, our guided portfolio, all cap portfolio, has really been doing well. H- highly recommend that. And we have our top uh, picks. Globally, domestically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We do have a newsletter and, uh, this month, uh, we, we now have August available. This comes to you. We, we don't bug you. We don't harass you. Nothing like that. Uh, if you'd like it, you let us know. Uh, you do get a weekly newsletter. Some people get upset about that and, you know, we're not trying to beat you up or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's being sent automatically. Um, so. About 6.5% of workers under age 35 changed jobs in the first quarter of last year versus 3.1% of those ages 35 to 54. That's a big, you know, that's almost 100% increase. That's a more than 100% increase. Homeowners now have a collective $5.8 trillion in capital, uh, tappable equity, the highest volume ever recorded, and 16% above last uh, home price uh, check. The ice cream industry in the United States contributes more than $39 billion to the national economy and creates more than 188,000 jobs across the country. So uh, it's summertime. Go out and get yourself a good ice cream. Uh, you know, we, we always talking about um, our, our process here. And a couple months ago, we had a really good seminar. And matter of fact, a lot of people told me it was the best seminar they've ever been to. I had like eight people say that, you know, and they, they put it on paper, so they must have meant it. And there was two people there. Um, there was a, uh, Bob Dickey, who's our head technical strategist, and he, he took about a half an hour just to ex- explain some things that were fairly obvious, but he had to point them out for you to make sure that you understood that they were obvious. And then we had the folks from Marshfield. And I thought it was interesting that Marshfield uh, just became came in number two uh, in the PSN large cap value universe again. Uh, PSN is a, a group that rates uh, both value and growth managers. And they're the only ones that you can get here, as I believe, except for one, uh, that you can get for under two million. Uh, it's two or five million dollars. So I think the only one you can get is Russell two thousand value, um, although that was way down the list. Um, and last week I made a mistake. I, uh, I, you know, I I did not check the close of the S and P five hundred, and I said it didn't close above twenty eight hundred. It did. So I apologize, everybody. Sometimes you know you. Uh, you just make a simple mistake. That's all there is to it. So Jerome Powell headed to Capitol Hill this week, and Mr. Trump kind of beat him up a little bit uh, in an interview with Joe Kernan. And, uh, you know, he said, I don't like higher interest rates. Well, you know, I, I think he's going to keep his uh, his 
the structure the same way as he had it before, but it, it was uh, very interesting to hear what he said. He was very pragmatic, and, and he didn't answer any questions politically, and I thought that was great. Um, so I, I think it's it's fairly interesting that a couple things happened. Is the U.S. dollar uh, jumped over developed currencies, and it's the first time that's popped up. But Mr. Trump spoke on Friday, and the dollar was right at the downtrend line, and the dollar got whacked. So we didn't have an uptick at all in that area, and, and I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. The other thing I I uh, looked at, and I, you know, what we look at is bullish percents for everything, you know, just to make sure we're, we're paying attention. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, uh, we had the bullish percents for all the um, uh, all equi- equity diversified funds out there, and we were at 94%. Then we went from 94 all the way down to 30 and then popped back up again. Um, you know, it, it, we're up at 94 again, but look, don't make any mistake here. Leadership as defined by relative strength is squarely in U.S. equities. Uh, it doesn't matter the style or sector. There's some sectors that are doing better. But, you know, if you look, small cap is doing dynamite and we you know we kind of called that back in January and then small cap value is starting to pick up but mid cap growth and large cap growth are leaders also so we're you know a value is not doing great but I've still found some value ideas that I really like um now one of the things that everybody's worried about is the yield curve in, inversion uh that could occur and, and yield curve in, when it inverts that means that the 30 year or 10 year treasury Yield is below the two-year yield, okay? And right now, there's about 25 basis points that mix them. But, you know, an inverted yield curve simply means long-term investors expect short-term rates to fall in the future. And a two-year bond is just uh, two one-year bonds, one after another. So if the two-year yield is below the one-year yield, then investors are saying that the one-year or the yield in the one-year bond one year from now is expected to be lower. Simple as that. Now, for the record, an inverted yield curve does not cause a recession. All right, Typically, the yield curve inverts because the Fed drives short-term interest rates too high. They cause the recession is what it comes down to. So um, right now, the, the one-year is above the two-year, but the two-year and the one-year are still below the 10-year, which is import, important. But look, nominal GDP grew at a 4.7% in the four quarters ending March. It's a pretty high number, and I think we're on on go. Now the tariffs may screw up a little th- things a little bit, but uh, I I think you know you you know you shouldn't be worrying too much about that. The other thing is the money market percentile rank that our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us has been moving around a lot the last thirty days, and since the beginning of July, the MMPR level has been moving lower. And why? Because quality fixed income tranches have been ticking up in score. So good, high-quality fixed income. And what have we been saying for the last four months? When yield is up, you buy it, okay? And so um, th- that's a b- that's a big positive uh, for the fixed income area, I think. Look, I'm thinking to myself, okay, U.S. companies are showing massive gains in productivity, corporate profits are surging, and companies are consistently beating earnings expectations. So why does it seem like everyone and everywhere you look, people are focusing on the negatives? Instead of celebrating the strong jobs market, probably the strongest in decades, people worry about the robots will steal the job. Instead of focusing on the uptrend in housing, 
One-month data brings out calls that the rise in interest rates may spell doom. The pouting pundits will always look for the downside in any upside. Don't get caught up in the gloom. Focus on the facts. Now, here's some things that, you know, kind of emphasize that. The average American is holding too much cash in savings, and it keeps from them from building wealth. You should instead invest your excess savings in the stock market for the best returns. No doubt about it. I mean, I've talked about the 1734-year cycle turning up. Um, probably the easiest way to put savings is to, to work is your 401k if you're a youngster, okay? And uh, what I mean by youngsters, you know, to, it, it, the age 18 to 37 is generally defined the millennials. I call those youngsters these days. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you're feeling old, but uh, look, a recent bankrate.com survey asked millennials, you know, what was the perfect retirement age? And they all said 61. Look, early Retirement is something that seems very appealing uh, to to that generation. Uh, if wishing made it so, it would be great. Uh, of the millennials already saving, the medium retirement count balance is a mere nineteen thousand bucks. But overall, roughly two thirds of the millennials have nothing saved. And, and that's by report, by the way, by the National Institute on uh, Retirement uh, Savings. So uh, you should look in your forties. Don't try to keep up the Joneses. Fund, uh, funding college over retirement. And 30s, don't, don't be house poor and, and not save re- for retirement. Okay, In the 20s, don't live beyond your means. It's that simple. Hey, we'll be right back with a, uh, uh, another update. This is Smart Investor Show. She loves to laugh. She loves to sing. She does everything. message and data rates may apply guys got hair loss i know what you're thinking should i shave my head comb it over wear a hat just stop this isn't 1970 keep your hair and your confidence because bosley america's number one hair restoration expert can give you your real hair back permanently check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to everyone who texts grow to 85850 Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let them show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text GROW to 85850. Ask about the Bosley Guarantee. G-R-O-W to 85850. The Army National Guard is committed to keeping the country safe and our community secure. Composed of hundreds of thousands of citizen soldiers from all walks of life, the Guard is always ready to respond to local or national emergencies. We protect the homeland. We're always there when called upon. And in every state and territory, we stand guard for our communities. To learn more, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard, aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. 
Okay, we, uh, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Um, if you missed part of the, the show and you'd like to hear it on Mondays, right about noon, uh, under the local podcasts under WHK 1420 AM, and you hit go down to Tim Hayes, they'll have the podcast on. So, uh, you know, if you missed part of it, I understand it's early in the morning. <laughs> Believe me, I'd like to miss part of it. Uh, but anyway, uh, there you go. Um, so, you know, we, we were talking uh, this week in a conference call, and I thought it was very interesting. We were talking about focusing on the other big three. Uh, you know, U.S. equity markets churned along, and, and other markets kind of wobbled a little bit. And I guess the, the question is about three tropic, uh, topics, basically. Trade, the midterm elections, and the dreaded yield curve. Uh, they tend to be dominating uh, uh, investor conversations right now. But, look, as things stand now, what concerns m- – you most about trade and tariffs risk and and trade tensions have heated up and and although they are not yet boiling over into an all-out global trade war uh, even if they never reach a boiling uh, point a key concern is timing the longer the trade disputes simmer the more likely they will try business executive patience and the chart shows that i mean the u.s uh, ceo's confidence has pulled back slightly as trade challenges have mounted so that's a worry. Another concern is a slippery slope that could be developing uh, markets and in, in industries uh, mainly have been contending with four distinct tariffs, U.S. versus China, steel and aluminum, autos and auto parts, and U.S. versus NAFTA. But the administration just announced $500 billion in those. So, I mean, there's getting a little bit crazy here. So um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, uh, stay tuned, I guess, is what the, the point is. Now, what impact do you, do you think the midterm elections could have? I know that's another question we got to ask. And so we have recently received a lot of questions about the November elections and perhaps the, mo- the ongoing political drama in, in uh, Washington has, has peaked in interest. The historical performance surrounding midterm House and, and Senate elections is among the strongest of the seasonal equity market cycle uh, uh, cycles that we track, just so you know. So it persists regardless of of what is or isn't occurring in Washington around the world. I don't know why it is, but it does. There's typically a pullback or correction in the U.S. equity market at some point during the 12-month period before the midterm elections, which we kind of had in December. And with this in mind, it should be no surprise that the S&P 500 has already succumbed to a pullback uh, in, in this midterm election. You know, in January, we had 10%. So the, the other thing that everybody's asking about is the yield curve signaling a, re, a recession. Now, the difference between the 10-year and the two-year is about 25 basis points at this point. The one-year is above the two-year. So that's the only thing that anybody's really concerned with at this point. I don't know if it's going to be a big deal. We'll find out. But, uh, look, the real thing that's occurring, I think, is that there's very sluggish U.S. Uh, equity markets right now, and it's on very light volume. So – what it does is it creates outside impacts on on sector performance while the broad market, you know, the broad indexes are holding steady. So what you're seeing is, you know, one day that, the, you know, we talked about the financial sector. Well, this week, you know, we said it looked like it was getting ready to bounce. It bounced hard. It was up uh, almost 2% for the week. And uh, so you're seeing as earnings seasons ramp up. You're seeing some notable large cap names in technology, healthcare, and industrial sectors are starting to report, and they're either moving up big or moving down big. And, uh, you know, one of the things everybody's talking about is the U.S. buybacks are a tailwind, but um, we think they may not be as impressive as hyped. Um, they're, they're, 
they're just it's just a continuation of what's been going on, all right? Now, look, I've talked on this show many a time about how to combine technicals and fundamentals. And and fundamentals, you're looking at you're looking at a company management, you're looking at the product acceptance, the earnings quality, the price to earnings ratio, or even the price to earnings growth ratio or peg ratio. And so the analyst is figuring out what to buy. Okay, that's what an analyst's job to do. It's, it's not his job to tell you when to buy it. It's telling you what's the best stock in his sector. Where technicals, on the other hand, we look at internal strength. We look at trend analysis. We look at relative strength. We look at momentum. So what you're doing with that is you're telling the people when to buy. So, so people ask me, um, you know, why do we put these two together? Uh, but, you know, look, I get all these questions like, do you see us heading for a recession? I don't know. All right? And n- nobody's that good. I mean, you can make make some calls occasionally. Look, uh, you know, I'd say we monitor leading indicators, and, and judging by the leading ec- economic indicators, uh, it looks like there'll be some time before a recession. All right? Any thoughts on finan- weakness in financials? Well, they had a great week this week, uh, but they were they were – Going through a consolidation period, as far as I know, um, you know, they lost a couple signals on the dynamic asset level of investing that our, our friends at Dorsey Wright provide us with, but nothing wrong there. What markets are in deep oversold in the, in the, in our universe? And, and, um, you know, do you want to buy them? Uh, commodities. Uh, agriculture is the most oversold in the group. Um, you know, do you have any strategies over sector rotation? Get asked all these questions, and and yes and no, we do have all these strategies. But the most important part, well, look, you know, this this week I had, um, based on a point and figure chart. This is, came from one of my clients, who's a pretty smart guy, by the way. Uh, when was the last time you initiated a long position on oil? Well, I didn't buy actually oil. I bought the the funds, and actual oil has done better. Okay. But what I did do was uh, I bought some of the oil stocks, so I'd done it that week. And and so people keep asking those questions, and what I try to do is take the fundamentals. So I look at the best asset class. I look at the, uh, you know, if if there's an, if they're in favor, okay. We look for groups that are in favor, and then where they are in their, you know, the bullish percent for the group. Then we look at the technicals and the fundamentals. We find out which 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 one we like best. It's that simple. Now it's earnings time, folks, and and you know a lot of people should start to think about. Uh, you know, so, there's some wild moves on earnings. And uh, if you're an investor, not to worry. Uh, might get beat up a little bit. You might have some real good good uh, hits on the upside. Uh, but if you're a trader, you either might start to think about, you know, stops or or possibly, uh, you know, uh, you know, some people use uh, uh, protective puts. That's up to you, too. Um Somebody asked me about momentum, and uh, that's relative strength, folks. You want, you know, I guess the the key takeaway I have always with momentum is it works more often than value. Um, and if I looked at a lot of studies, there's a lot of studies that say the value works better over time. It de- it depends on if you're doing momentum the proper way. You know, if you're if you're buying momentum and it get and it gaps down ten bucks and you stay with the stock to go have it go down forty. Uh, yeah, it, it works better. So uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, one of our competitors said they solved the the mystery behind oil stocks. And oil prices are up. Oil stocks, 
anything but really, uh, although some are starting to go. Uh, the invest, the, there's an investment bank out there that points that the divergence in ec- energy equities versus the S&P 500 remains at its widest gap in 17 years. And some top oil stocks continue to be, well, you know, uh, underground this year. And if you look at there's some big names out there. So uh, they think it's investors remain lukewarm on oil stocks, likely uh, likely on the fear of a, of a trade war. Uh, you know, where there will be a demand slowdown. So the demand for the key is the key for the equities, with the, while the sum of each of the um, 3Ds will be the key to the oil inventory versus the five-year average. Um, they think, uh, will, by the way, will be they, ex- they expect to be below average inventories on, days, uh, on a days of demand basis. Equity demand is most important, and there is none right now. So that's what they're saying, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I, I'll say this again. You know, if you were in international equities, if you if you were in asset allocation this year, you're getting beat up. So if you're, you had bonds, you got beat up pretty bad. International and and uh, uh, emerging market equities have really got beat up. Uh, so I'll just say this: global valuations are cheap, but these tariffs hurt those com- countries, and which is becoming obvious at this point, um, hurt those countries more than they hurt us. Uh, so. They'll come, but they're very, very oversold right now. So don't go out and sell them, please. Don't do that. Um, second quarter's earnings season is underway, and their their trade tensions have dominated market uh, dynamics recently. And um, I think you want to refocus on operating fundamentals and the company outlook. Um, positive revision, uh, revisions in the second quarter. Um, it's, they've been leading to a 9% top-line growth. That is significant, folks. I've been doing this a long time, and that's a big number. And earnings per share growth of 19%. Now, much of these are positive residuals coming from energy, uh, prices, FANG, and technology broadly. But perhaps it's no surprise to see two sectors that, that are, are performing year-to-date. But um, the guidance likely unchanged but still solid year over year um, is is important because visibility is simply not as strong as it was in the second second half. Um, you know, or it won't be as uh, strong in the second half. So, you know, be careful out there because remember that the, the tax, you know, the tax implications start to end at the end of the year and they'll, they'll start to look six months ahead. That's how the stock market works. But I'm, I'm seeing some intermediate term indicators uh, beginning to peak a little bit. And I, I can go over this, but, uh, you know, I'm, this is some technical stuff that we do. And, uh, look, while a peak in momentum doesn't necessarily imply a uh, pending correction, it does suggest upside is now likely capped for probably the balance of the summer. And that's, this is what Bob Dickey's been saying. We, you know, we're going to probably go sideways for a while. So, you know, leave it at that. But secular leadership, uh, pullback's likely to find uh, a lot of support, and, and leadership is still – in technology, uh, software, service, and internet, the big ones. Uh, also, some financials. Uh, there's the financials are finally showing some big evidence that they're bottoming and turning up. Uh, I mean, Morgan Stanley had a great quarter. They raised their dividend twenty percent. That's you know that's good. There's a couple discretionary stocks that I really like. One's in the entertainment business, and one's uh, just in in retail. And I'm starting to see some stuff there that I like. Um, we are starting to see the Russell, Russell, the momentum in the Russell starting to turn down. The sentiment indicators turned up, so 
It's usually a bad sign. Remember I said two weeks ago we had a negative number. It was probably a good buying signal. Well, we're up about 350 points from there. Um, the the recent volatility in the American Association of Individual Investors bullish sentiment is recovering. So that's usually uh, a sign that people are getting too bullish. <laughs> so you, you don't want that. Growth versus value, it's still growth, except for small caps. It seems like they're, they're that's churning between growth and value. Uh, and the 10-year bond rate yield, you know, everybody's worried about 3.4%. doesn't look good at this point. So uh, we are correcting a little bit in copper. Matter of fact, it's correcting hard. And um, that's about all we know. We, we're seeing improvement in REITs and health, uh, utilities and healthcare and staples, by the way. People think there's a slowdown. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. I hear the sound of on the wind that lifts her perfume through the air. Anarchists taking to the streets. Hollywood more vocal than ever. Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer making baseless accusations on a daily basis. And again, the facts are what are important. And the press has lost all objectivity, responsibility, and quite possibly their minds. One thing is for certain. We must be doing something right. Keep calm and listen. AM 1420, The Answer. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, um, the, you know, we, we were just talking about some things we saw. Now we're going to talk about the bullish percent and some of the things we see there. The we did I did notice that the bullish percent chart for the uh, aerospace uh, reversed back up into a column of X's uh, yesterday. That's good, and uh, it's down around fifty. So it, you know, it, not a bad buying area. And and I was just looking at some fun directional uh, things, and and real estate and utilities have really picked up. So people are buying yield like we told them to. Okay. Uh, by the way, biotechnology is still number one. Healthcare came in number two, and microcap came in number three. So uh, things are starting to turn a little bit in those areas. So uh, it'll be interesting if it continues. Uh, so the bullish percent is we we talk about this every week. So if you're just listening the first time, this will probably bore you after about three or four weeks. This next two lines, but it was de- designed in the 30s by some gentlemen, some proteges of Charles Dow. And what they wanted to be is bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top, or more careful at the top, not bearish necessarily. There's other factors involved. And they designed a, a chart that goes from 0 to 100. When you're in a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. And when you have a column of O's, you have a defensive team on the field. Now, just because you go into a to- column of O's doesn't mean you have to sell everything, all right? They're, they're not going to let you uh, in most cases. But, you know, you don't want to sell everything unless – uh, and there's some other factors involved, okay? But there's two points on this chart, over 70 and below 30. And over 70 is the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. The world's going great. Uh, you know, the guys on CNBC are stomping their feet. And, you know, there's loud applause, et cetera. And then when you get under 30, that's usually when um, 
<laughs> you know, you don't look at your 401k statement. You don't watch CNBC and, and the world's ending is the best time to buy. That's when you should be greedy. So be fearful when we're over 70. Be greedy under 30. And and right now, the New York bullish percent's at 55. It was up just 0.1%. Uh, it would reverse back down at 52. So we got to watch this level a little bit. Um, the over-the-counter index was actually down 0.6 for the week, and it's at 50. It would reverse down at 46. The world index was up 0.8, and um, it's at 38.4%. So um, it's getting close to that level where, you know, 30 getting interesting. So like I said, don't sell your your international funds right now in your 401K. That wouldn't be a good idea. Um, there, there were no changes to the bullish percent this week. There were no changes to the po- positive trend indicators. That's a that's a big positive, and uh, I guess the the thing like I'll I'll mention this again, is that the fund scores, uh, you know, biotechnology led the way. Healthcare was number three, but utilities and and real estate investment trusts uh, were the ones that had the best improvement in their score. So that's pretty good. Look, if you look, uh, you know. At large cap stocks, they represented by the S and P five hundred. They have re- re- uh, returned since nineteen ninety over six hundred seventy percent on a cumulative basis, or about six point nine percent on an annual basis. At times, uh, notably the early and late nineties, it's been difficult to find a better investment. However, over the same period of time, small caps represented by the S and P five hundred have gained 1,450% or 9.85%. All right. And by the way, if you go back 90 years, small caps have averaged about 10.9. Large caps have averaged about 8.4. So there have been periods where large caps have uh, dominated, as was the case was much of last year and for a long period of time in, in the 2000s. Uh, but there's also been period of times where small caps have been uh place to be so um small cap performance last couple of uh last period of several months on average has seen some pretty good numbers okay and we still see by looking at some uh, performance dispersions that small caps might lead the way so keep that in mind uh the small cap index is correcting a little bit but you know if it were to turn around at this point it would be uh, in good shape it's still positive no matter what i any way you look at it uh we looked at all the indexes and where momentum has been went negative, you know, for the Dow, the S&P, the mid-cap, the small-cap, the QQQs, there are still stocks going up. And, and the QQQ is the one that worries me the most because there are four or five, six stocks, well, maybe 10, 15 stocks that are holding up the whole index. And the question is, you know, we're starting to see some uh, <laughs> change there. And uh, so we're seeing some a little bit of relative strength, giving back some of the relative strength. So... If the big names start to crack, will the small ones come back? And I don't know. But uh, the QQQs did break out to a new high last week. So it doesn't look like to me uh, that that that's a problem. But the sector allocation in the QQQs is 61% information technology. And information technology is now 25.8% of the S&P 500. Uh, Usually that 25% number is usually a number that is a – line that they draw on the sand uh you know the the uh banks did that back in 2000 health then health um i actually it's 1999 and 2000 the uh and they got started to get killed then the then the technology stocks did it too so over the past week's 
action, uh, market action, there was four sector bullish percent charts that moved higher. And uh, they were aerospace gaming software. And uh, there was only one that reversed down in a column of O's. So there we go. Oh, and, and information technology. I'm sorry. But we have 14 sectors that are positive or favored at this point. Uh, so what we're starting to see is the overbought condition is slowly but surely become, you know, heading the other direction. But restaurants are still at 70. Banks still at 65. Remember, they were at 90. So they're pulling back. And like I said, they're, they're still favored. Healthcare, software, waste management, and leisure at 60. Might be a good place to find some stuff. Uh, business products, oil, and Internet are at 55, another good place. Uh, semiconductors are oil services and retail are at 50. I'm still not seeing a lot in the oil service, so I, I guess they have a different oil service uh, setup than we do. But And then at 40 is biotechnology, um, and I'm, there seems to be a lot of charts in that area that look pretty good. At 30, uh, so these are not favored. We're just looking for them to reverse back up. Our precious metals and non-ferrous metals. And then Wall Street is at uh, 22. So uh, Wall Street being the one that uh, has been a bear confirmed status. So if that was to turn up, uh, then the names like, you know, I mean, Morgan Stanley had a pretty good quarter. Goldman Sachs looked like they had a pretty good quarter. They'd be the names that I'd be probably be talking about. But uh, until they reverse up, we probably don't want to talk about it. Um, as far as uh, charts, well, uh, groups reversing up, uh, index. The most favored status came computers this week. So uh, there we go. Machinery uh, has has moved down to below average. So that's something you want to pay fairly close attention to, I think. I think, uh, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some stuff in the machinery area that does not look good. As far as uh, international equities, look, there has been some broad erosion among international equities. And the asset class has recently lost quite a few buy signals in dynamic asset level investing than our friends Dorsey Wright, who, by the way, provides us with uh, the bullish percent and some of our, our other technical information. Uh, it is, it's still held on the number two spot um, in the broad asset class rankings that we talk about all the time. And there's still some opportunities in the space worthy of consideration. And so I'll just talk about those, I think. But one of the areas worth consideration is Ireland. Um and there's several ETFs there that look pretty interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's more of a developed market, but it still looks pretty good. And um, so I've looked over, I looked at several of the ETFs there, and uh, there's quite a bit of support on the Ireland uh, on the Ireland charts. And if it would reverse back up, there's three of them where a reversal back up here. They've reversed back in a column of X's. Now they have to break a double top. If they were to do that, they'd be worth looking at. Um, another that is really interesting is uh, uh, in Portugal. And now, I don't know why, but, um, you know, it, it. the charts are looking fairly interesting. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen two or three different uh, Portuguese uh, ETFs that look uh, fairly interesting and have decent charts. So I, I don't know what they have in them, but uh, take it from there. Now, there's been very little change in, in uh, the rate charts, okay, so, you know, switching over to fixed income here. Uh, if you look at the 10, the 30-year indexes, uh, each look largely the same as they did a week ago. And currently, the strongest p- positive direction within fixed income is uh, the long-duration U.S. government, so the 10 to 30-year. Uh, they've picked up the uh, the, the most, uh, by the way, and municipal bonds, too. So that that seems to where the money where it's going. 
Another segment uh, within fixed income where we have seen some score improvement recently is in, in the inflation-protected type securities, uh, what people call TIPS and you know, that type of thing. There's also, an, um, uh, well, the, you know, Barclays has an ETF for that. There's quite a few of them, but they reached, you know, several of them broke big tops. I mean, quadruple, quintuple tops in, in, in that case. So the strengthening in inflation-protected securities is not surprising given uh, that we saw annual core inflation uh, by the consumer index, price index, rise 2.3% in June. So it's the highest level since January of 2017. As a general rule, inflation is good for borrowers and bad for lenders. <laughs> so just so you know, um, you know, you, you put out bonds when you, when you do or you buy buy debt uh, when there's inflation. If you hold any tips and the principal value is adjusted upwards, the increase in a taxable gain uh, is a taxable gain in that year, just so you know. So if they move it up, this is known as phantom income, so just be careful with those. Um, now, we did notice that the commodity indexes were breaking down, and uh, so we'll just go over those. You know, crude oil has been positive for about four weeks, but, you know, cop- gold has been negative for three weeks. Uh, most of the index is six to seven weeks. Uh, copper is just getting creamed uh, four weeks. And corn, which was the hero of the day a while back, they got whacked too. So we're starting to see some of these um, commodity indexes uh, and and those type of things uh, get beat up pretty bad. It'll be interesting to see if they hold their bullish support line. As far as relative strength is concerned, and this is taking the technicals with the fundamentals again, uh, you want to look for companies with relative strength buys. So if they the, any of these hit your, you know, uh, your soft spot, you should be paying attention to these because they can last for a while. Danaher's last for 25 years. Uh, Comtel Telecommunications, Dryquel, Equip, I'm sorry, and they're in the oil drilling. Uh, Dexcom Medical Products, that's a really good-looking chart, too. Spectrum Brands in the food and beverage. Uh, Cornerstone On Demand. Uh, Myriad Genetics, another biotech. Netgear and Communications Technologies. Uh, Google. Uh, L looks the best, by the way. And Service Master uh, is another one. As far as cells are concerned, Myers Industries, uh, Patterson UTI in the oil drilling area, Assembly Biosciences got beat up last week, Tribune, Farmland Partners, Brightsphere Investments, and Adesto Technologies. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for the Smart Investor Show. If you see a faded sign at the side of the It's only one death somewhere, and then another. Not quite national news, just a local thing. But they've been adding up, and up, year after year. Drivers killed by trains because the crossings had stop signs instead of gates. The state of Ohio likes signs. Gates cost money. What's another life worth? Report on gated crossings and learn more at angelsontrack.org. Sponsored by Angels on Track, aired by OAB and the station. Come to Medina Buick GMC now through Saturday for their huge sale. Lease payments starting as low as $79 a month. Save up to 30% off MSRP. See why Medina Automall is the number one Buick GMC dealer in the state of Ohio. The sale ends Saturday at 6 p.m. Click MedinaGMAutomall.com. And if you're looking for a Cadillac, come into Medina Cadillac now through Saturday for their huge sale. Lease payments start as low as $289 a month. See why they're the fastest growing Cadillac dealership in Northeast Ohio. The deals, though, they end Saturday at 6. MedinaGMAutomall.com. 
Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, uh, we're back. Um, you know, at part of our process that we talked about, and, and, you know, so we started big and we worked our way down. We started from the big economy and we've worked our way down to different ideas. And one of the ideas we keep fairly close track of is uh, insider buying. And uh, the insiders know their company better than us. And we look for large insider buying uh, or deliberate in, uh, insider buying. Smaller the company, the better. The bigger the block, the better. And uh, so we'll just... Leave it at that. Uh, back in February, we talked about Under Armour. It was at 16 bucks, and we noticed that Kevin Plank and several of the others had bought uh, some serious um, numbers of stock, okay? And we just noticed that there was some uh, some more buyers. There was 11 buyers. They didn't buy a lot. They bought from 800 to 1,000 shares each. The average person owned about 79,000 shares in this group. So uh, it's just a continuation of insider buying. Uh, that's always something that you, you know, want to pay close attention to as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I want to also talk about a seller. And this is another, the last time he did this, uh, the stock got creamed. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, sold uh, back in February uh, $400 million worth of stock. That's chump change to him, obviously, but... I just noticed that he sold twice this week, one a $50 million uh, share block and one $49.9 million share block. Uh, and that's how he started uh, back in January. So be careful. Uh, maybe he thinks uh, uh, Facebook should correct a little bit. I know he's under the gun a little bit. The, the regulators are starting to talk to him, and we do have an election coming up. And, uh, you know, the, false, the fake news is going to be there. Windsor. Um, who owns a ton of international flavors and f- fragrances, took the correction in, in that company to buy another 9.98 million shares. Remember, they bought last week also. Um, and we talked about Master Limited Partnerships, and uh, we had the CEO of OCI Partners buy 10,737,000 shares. And that's kind of significant when you think about it because – uh, you know, the, the stocks gapped up a couple times, so it's at a new high. I don't know why the gaps were there. I, I looked for it, but they couldn't find any news on it. So uh, I don't know if they're being acquired or, or what, but uh, that's, you know, it's, it's another one of the MLPs that, is, you know, we've been talking about those for about three months now. Now, there was a big buy this week, and it came from the CEO of Walgreens. Here's a stock that's just got rocked by the fact that our friends at Amazon are suddenly getting into the drug business. Now, just so you know, they can't do any narcotics and they can't do any biologics. So, I don't, you know, they, Walgreens has it over them and so does in CVS in those two categories. But the CEO bought 10 or $108 million worth of stock. Folks, that is not chump change. That's a lot of cash. So, uh, you love to see the CEOs buy that. And 
We did see another one um, that I thought was really interesting, and this goes back to that Wall Street theme. Remember, Wall Street's down below 20. It's at 23, and it's got hit pretty hard, okay? You know, Wall Street was one of the leaders. It was at 80 just three months ago. William Ford, of Ford fame, uh, who's on the board of BlackRock, bought $540,000 worth of stock after it's come from, uh, you know, basically 590 down to 504. Uh, so he stepped up to the plate. Now, he, uh, Mr. Ford has quite a bit of stock, and it's the first purchase there. But remember, uh, back in May, uh, when the stock was 510, there was a couple purchases there, too. So, you know, I would like you to think about that. So here's some things that I think are interesting. Um, you know, we've had several upticks in the in the fixed income universe, and we've, we've been – Talking about the bond fund, the dividend growth portfolio, which has really done well in the last month and a half, uh, the prime income list, which has really done well in the last month and a half. All these have been doing well because people buy yield when it's up. Now, um, Jeff Gunlock, who made a pretty bad call about shorting Facebook, uh, has been talking about a 2.57 yield on the 10-year it will be the next stop, not 3.4 like everybody's thinking. I don't know if he's correct or not because he was real wrong on Facebook. But uh, he's he has a very good track record and he's been very, very right. So, look, fixed income could lead to something uh, as the massive universe just moved up to the two two and a half score on the Dorsey Wright system. For months, the group has suffered and was trapped under the, the score of money market Um uh, but for the current trend, the group is now above the money market. So it's it's beat the bogey check. And that makes it a, a more positive relative strength. So before the yields go away, it might be a good time to be starting to pay very close attention to the fixed income field. And that means the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, which you can, you know, if you Google Tim Hayes radio and you hit the contact me, me or uh, just hit my email address, you can get. Get those, and I highly recommend it because it, it looks like it's time. They, they have a lot of utilities, a lot of REITs, you know, on those lists. So, now, as I said, biotechnology was the best overall performance for the quarter, and U.S. microcap was second, and then healthcare. By the way, the number three was U.S. government long bond. You know, and so remember we talked to you about this. We said everybody was was bearish against the bonds, and I said I've never seen a better setup for a bullish scenario. And sure enough, um, you know, they've done quite well. <laughs> uh, you know, if you would have bought bonds that week, you know, the long bond, uh, I'm talking about the 10-year bond now, uh, it was at 3.175. It is now at 2.92. Uh, that would probably be about a 20% return. Uh, the futures market would be even better. So, um you know, somebody asked me a question about hedging ETFs, and you really got to there's a, there's a process of doing it, but please call me. If you'd like to talk to me, it's 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. It's a, it's a local number, but uh, I, I'm not going to go over it over on the air simply because it's a, it can be difficult at best. Um, but if you have a big position in a, in a hedge – in a – index fund or something like that. It might be a good way to do it. Look, the stock markets have not provided much to get excited about this year. As a matter of fact, we got excited in January and look what happened. Um, with the S&P and the Dow Jones still stuck in the same 8% ranges, 
that have held for basically the past six months. Uh, the recent move back up to the higher end of the range uh, appears to be losing a little bit of momentum uh, once again, so which makes a break breakout look kind of you know. I'm not as positive that we're going to break to the north. Uh, I am still seeing lots of small cap stocks continue to go up. Um, look, the trend on interest rates has stalled over the past several months. Oil and, and many of the other commodities are are pulling back after the rallies earlier this year. It's a time where not much appears to be working except patience and the collecting of dividends. So, uh, you know, that's why we talked about the staples. They're down. Uh, they got good dividends, et cetera. There is a pretty good uh, report uh, out that we put out called "Is the RoboClips Nigh," and it's it's by our uh, advisory service. It's about you know robotics and and them taking over. There we go. Um, I've had several people call me and say uh, when you when you come when you're talking about the preferred market, people tell you there's no supply. So you know Bank America announced that they were coming to market with a new preferred. The other day, uh, people got excited. Um, but w- look, if you go back, uh, some of these names were were have done extremely well all year. But it's a it's a six point two percent yield, and uh, you know they're they're out there. Okay, so uh, preferreds have been a great way to you know to handle things and leave it at that. So dynamic asset level investing. Well, let's talk about what's going on out there. As far as the rankings are concerned, technology is still number one. Financials are number two, but they lost they they lost a few votes. Um, they lost uh, like eight votes in the last two weeks. Probably picked up a little bit because the vote ends Thursday, so you know Thursday and Friday were big days. Energy held its own. Industrials held its own. Uh, consumer cyclical held its own. So that's the top five groups. Healthcare was the biggest improvement over the groups and leapt over uh, basic materials last week. Real estate and utilities being dead last, although, remember, they got hammered pretty hard. So, you know, you, you, what you want to do is be looking at those as, you know, you you buy yield when it's up, okay? Now, technology still leads the dynamic asset level investing tank, uh, rally uh, by a wide margin of signals, by the way. Uh, as second place financials is behind by 53 points. That's a lot. Uh, small cap technology seems to be really kicking uh everybody's you know what and it doesn't matter where what group you're in small cap seems to be the place to be so um for now anyway uh, you know it, it'll be interesting to see but uh, i did see a couple things uh, like the crb index the the trend on the crb index has reversed to the downside and it might have maybe another 10 percent to go uh, until it finds some support it was up very nicely um you know I, I said at the end of the year that would be the place to go uh and and it was up uh, almost 18%. So I had it right, and then it, it, it turned down with this tariff thing. So uh, the other thing that I, I don't like is the NASDAQ, um, the QQQs, when the NASDAQ composite has moved up to new highs, and I think that's what's maintaining the other the other indexes. So you want to be careful because if that reverses, things could get ugly. So what would I do right now? Look, I don't think you want to be chasing the the winners right right now. I think what you you know what I'd be doing is looking at the names that were have not participated. Uh, healthcare is just starting, uh, but the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, uh, some of the ADRs have pulled back. It might be a good place. I would also say uh, our our all cap index, our you know small cap, large cap, you know we have them all together. 
man, that's really been doing great. Uh, fantastic. And that, that's a good place to, to be, uh, looking for, to place money, by the way. If you'd like to get our newsletter, once again, you Google Tim Hayes Radio and just hit the contact me or email me. You can get any of these. Uh, we don't charge you. We don't harass you, by the way. Uh, also, um, I've had quite a few people say hi to me on LinkedIn. So if you, uh, if you want to go to LinkedIn, you know, feel free to give me a, a, a shout down there. Uh, or you can go directly to my website, which is www.rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's a lot. So I'll say it again. www.rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes slash. And if you'd like to have a conversation with me, give me a call. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. And I would just, you know, I think patience is needed now. Uh, But in a fixed income area, I wouldn't be too patient. I think it's a good time. All right. Thanks for the time today. And uh, we'll be seeing you next week. Remember, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.